All right, if you all don't mind, please stand your feet in reverence to God's Word, and I'll read the passage for today. This comes out of Mark chapter 9, verses 17 through 24. Again, if you want to follow along, it's Mark chapter 9, verse 17 through 24. And it says this, And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought the boy to him, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy, and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And he said, From childhood. And it has often cast him into fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Amen. It says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Verse 24 says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Lord, I believe it's possible, but can you help me with my unbelief? If anything is possible, God, you can surely do it, but can you help me? With my unbelief. Amen. Now, from that text, I want to kind of give you my sermon title. It's called Strengthen My Faith. Strengthen My Faith. Strengthen My Faith. As I get this technology working here. Strengthen My Faith, Lord. I'm trusting that you're going to make this thing work. Strengthen My Faith. Faith. Here we go. Strength of my faith. Good morning, church. How y'all doing? Good morning. All right. I, I've hit my stride now. I'm good to go. All right. Um, so church, this morning, obviously, we're going to talk about faith and what does faith mean and what is an encounter as we come across this father and this son and, and this crowd and these scribes as they struggle and, and they have an argument about faith. What does faith mean? Now, if we could be honest with our faith, Faith ourselves, faith is something that we all can struggle with from time to time. One minute I believe and the next minute I don't. One minute I struggle with this, next minute I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go for it, ready to go all in with God. But our faith journal journey is somewhat like a diet. Everyone wants to do it, but few are willing to do what it really requires. It really requires us to believe and trust in God. That's what faith is hinged on. We live in a world that requires in faith and believing. As we talk and walk through the scripture, we can find that 2 Corinthians 5, 7 states that, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And Galatians 2, 20 states, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I, I live, yet not I, but that Christ liveth in me. And the life 
which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So not I that live, but Christ that lives within me. Hebrews 11.6, a familiar text, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. A rewarder that diligently seek him. Hebrews 11.1 1 states, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You see, we live and breathe by faith. You see, it's a d dominating factor in our Christian walk. If we could be honest, it's a dominating factor. But we put our trust in something that we cannot see. Amen? We, we put our trust in a God that we cannot see. We, we believe in him, but we really don't see him. We believe in Jesus even though we would, didn't walk the earth when Jesus walked the earth. We believe in the Holy Spirit, but... We haven't seen the Spirit physically. We believe in, in heaven, but we cannot see it. We believe that Jesus died and rose again on the third day, although we didn't actually see it happen. So what do we do with all this faith knowledge, and what happens when our faith becomes weak? We must strengthen our faith by remembering that all things are possible to those that believe. All things are possible. Now, that's a very simple answer to a complex question, but the matter, of, uh, the, the matter is of doing the difficult part. The matter of doing the difficult part. This morning, we will talk about how someone has struggled with his faith, this father that struggled with his faith. And the first point that we'll talk about is the disappointment. The disappointment. As I read again, verses 17 through 19. It says, And someone from the crowd answered him, Teacher, I brought to you my son, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams and grinds his teeth and become rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast it out, and they were not able. And he answered them and said, O faithless generation, how long am I to be with how long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. Bring the son to me. Now, in these verses, we'll see the disappointment from two different people. The first person was the father, and then the second person is Jesus Christ. And they're disappointed for two different reasons. You see, in the previous scriptures leading up to verse 17, we'll find that Jesus, Peter, James, and John, the, the, the three disciples, went up to a mountain. Mount, Trans Mount of Transfiguration, to have a conversation with Elijah and Moses. And while they're up in that, on that mountain, the other nine disciples, the scribes and a crowd, were all there, and the scribes and the disciples were having an argument. So as Jesus and the three disciples come down from the high moment, hanging out with Elijah and Moses, now they come down to an argument. They're met with an argument between the scribes, these religious leaders, these lawyers of the day, and the other nine disciples. What was they arguing about? Their argument was based on the fact that they couldn't heal this little boy from his dealings with demons, from being possessed by demons. You see, the father was present, and he made it known to Jesus 
that he brought his son to the disciples, and they could not heal his son. Can you imagine the disappointment this father feels? Can you imagine his disappointment? He probably heard about all these miracles that all that Jesus and the other disciples have done, but now he bring his problem, he bring his issue to Jesus, and they couldn't do anything about it. But in Mark, see, in Mark chapter 6, verse 13, Jesus gives all the disciples the ability to cast out demons. So it wasn't that the disciples didn't have the ability to do it. It was the fact that they couldn't do it for whatever reason. And we'll address that a little bit later. But they could not heal this boy's issue. Now, I'm sure they've cast out demons before, and, and, and they've done it from time to time. Maybe they got the big head. I don't know. The Bible doesn't state, but for whatever reason, this father and this son came and brought their issue to Jesus and his disciples, but they were beyond disappointed to find out that they were not able to heal their son. So the question arises for you all is, have you been disappointed at time, from time to time that God hasn't answered your prayer in the way or in the manner that you think he should have answered your prayer? I mean, you did everything you were supposed to do. You brought that issue to Jesus. But the results was not exactly what you envisioned. We know that we serve a good God, one that listens to our prayer, but sometimes our will doesn't necessarily line up with God's will. We have our will, and then we have God's will, and sometimes they don't quite align. Let me give you a, a real-life example. My son loves chocolate cake. If he could eat cho chocolate cake breakfast, lunch, and dinner, he would probably eat Chocolate cake, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Now, if I have a conversation with my son, I say, hey, Nathan, um, would you like some chocolate cake for breakfast? By, by, without question, he would say, yes, sir. I would love some chocolate cake. And, and, and chocolate cake, and, and as, I, as a father knows what's best for him, I know that chocolate cake is not the best for him for breakfast, obviously for, for numerous reasons. But if you really think about what's made or what's in the ingredients of chocolate cake, there's some eggs in chocolate cake. There's some flour in chocolate cake. There's some sugar in chocolate cake. So he can form the, the, the approach that, Dad, I mean, there's some eggs we eat for breakfast, and there's some eggs in the chocolate cake, right? So he can justify his reasoning. But if we really look at it, and we all understand as parents, we all understand it's not good to give a 10-year-old chocolate cake full of sugar at 8 o'clock in the morning. He won't hit the ground probably till 12 o'clock midnight that night because of the sugar rush, right? So we understand, just like God understands, our will sometimes want the chocolate cake, but God's will said, no, son, you need to eat some grits, some bacon, and some eggs for breakfast. God's will versus our will. Sometimes they align, but sometimes they don't align. In this particular case, this man thought he was doing the right thing. He brought his son to Jesus, the one that could save him, but he was left with disappointment because his son wasn't healed. So in this last-ditch effort, this Hail Mary type of throw, he yells to Jesus, Master, have mercy on me and my son. I came to, you with, with, came to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything. And at this point, Jesus is now disappointed. He says, O oh, faithless generation, how long? am I to be with you? Jesus knows that his time was running short. You see, he has an appointment with a cross that has, and this appointment he cannot 
missed. Even though Jesus had a cross, had the cross on his mind, he still decided to stop and listen to this father's plea and to heal his son. Now, this shows us that Jesus cares about our situation. Even though Jesus is taking care of God, taking care of everything else that's going on in this universe, in this world, on earth, he still cares about each and every one of us to the very fact that he knows the very hair or not that's on top of your head, <laughs> right? He knows every single piece of hair. If I had 10,000 when I was 12, I might have about 8,500 right now. I don't know. But God knows every single strand on your head. He cares for you. Now, he cares that you're disappointed and he cares that you're in need. So don't miss that. God cares about you. There is disappointment, but God still cares about you. Now let's look at our second point. First, you have that disappointment of the Father and of Jesus. Then we want to talk about the disorder, the disorder, as I read verses 20 to 22. And it says, and they brought the boy to him. And when he saw the spirit, and when the spirit saw him, immediately it convulsed the boy. And he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it, and it has often cost, cast him into the fire and into water to destroy him. But if you can't do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Now, in these verses, we will see the disorder of this child unfold. The child is demon-possessed. He was tormented by, for this, by, by this spirit for such a long time. And when the child was brought to Jesus, the demon in the child begins to act out. Because the demon knew that the power lies in Jesus. The power to control any situation, the power lies in Jesus. Out of all the people that, that this demon encountered, he knew who Jesus was. Now, church, when we have a disorder, when we have a problem that we can't solve, I suggest you do the same thing that this father did and bring it to Jesus because he cares for you. Now, an important message or important verse here is verse 21. You see, Jesus asked one of those questions that he already knows the answer to. He asked, how long has this been happening? Now, this boy is on the ground convulsing, moving all over in, in distress. The father is also in distress, and he stops and asks this question, how long, has this how, how long is this happening? Why would Jesus ask a question like that? He's all-knowing, right? Why, why would he do, 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 do such a thing? And the question is not really for the crowd or for the other disciples. This question is geared or, or given directly to the father alone. It's for the father. Jesus already knew the answer, he, but he wanted to connect with the man's pain. He wanted to connect directly with the man's pain. Why? Because, again, Jesus has compassion for us all. He's one that can feel every pain that we are going through. One that has come down from heaven to sit down and, and be, be like us and be with us on earth. One that is our high priest. This is Jesus that could be our high priest, and he, but he can touch the uh, feelings of our infirmities. His father tells him from childbirth, 
from childbirth. Can you imagine the love and the pain that this father has experienced on a daily basis? This, this ailment, this, this demon possession has been from his childhood. So one minute he had to rescue him from the fire. Then the next minute he had to rescue him from water. The next minute he's back into the fire again. The next minute back in the water. Can you imagine the scars and, and the scrapes that the son has endured for his lifetime? But not only the son, also the father himself. Because the father also had to get into that situation with his son that he loves. Imagine the scars and imagine the pain and imagine the suffering that this father had to deal with. One minute he had to save him from the fire. Next minute he got to jump in the water and save him from drowning. He said, Lord, have mercy on us. Not only my son, but have compassion on me and my son. His request was have compassion on us and help us. Not only show compassion to my boy, but, but Lord, help me out too. We have been tormented for year after year after year, but I'm having this residual pain from this demon. If you can do anything, Lord, please help us. Now, while the compassion and frustration is shown from this father is warranted, Jesus wants us to focus on him. Sometimes we are so consumed by the problem that we allow the problem to eclipse the one that who can solve the problem. Let's think about that. We are so worried about our son falling and our, and our this happening and that happening, and we don't have time to pray to God because we're trying to fix our problem. God will say, no, 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 you got to pray to me first. And then we'll deal with your problem. Don't put the problem before the God. Put God before the problem. That's where the focus is. And that's what Jesus wanted the Father to see is that, listen, I know that you need help. Clearly your son is right here struggling. But focus on me first. Focus on who I am. Focus on who God is. He's the Father. He, he, God understands us and cares for us. Bring that problem to God. He can handle that. We are so busy trying to solve it. Just give it over to God. It's important that we understand that Jesus knows our issue is urgent. And it's important. But focus on God. Don't let the disorder distract you. And I'll give you my final point, which is the disbelief. The disbelief. And this is really the, the, the high point of the lesson this morning. It says, and Jesus said to him, if you can, Jesus said, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately, the father of the child cried out, I believe. Help my unbelief. I believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus responds, if you can, like a question, all things are possible who believes. And then the, the father replies, crying out, I believe but help my unbelief. In these final two verses, we will see the belief of the father and the disorder of the, and the disbelief of the father at the same time. How can you believe that God is able to do it, but then struggle to believe that God is able to do it? How can you trust God for one thing, but then have doubt on another thing? Now, verse 24 really had me going. <laughs> 
It had me going for, from different directions, trying to understand what the Father was actually saying. But at face value, it doesn't make much sense. But if you look a little closer, what the Father is saying, he believes that Jesus, Jesus is willing to fix this situation, but he struggles to believe that Jesus can fix the situation. And will he actually do it? For whatever reason, the Father is questioning Jesus' ability. Now, Jesus responds with a very simple statement. All things are possible to him that believes. He believes, but the doubt is still there. The Father is asking Jesus, strengthen my faith. Father, God, I need for you to strengthen my faith. I, I, I want to believe. I, I'm struggling to believe, but strengthen that part that, that gives me the doubt. Once the Father admits his shortcomings, Jesus steps into action and heals the boy. Now, easily, that's the shouting point. And, and, and the boy was saved and, and, and by the faith of the father, even though he struggled with his belief. But why did Jesus do this? Why did Jesus do this? I'm, I'm glad you're asking that question because Jesus wanted to teach his disciples about faith. You see, the disciples needed to learn that if they have faith, even the size of a mustard seed, that God's power can be unleashed and miracles can be formed. And we have that opportunity, that same opportunity to receive God's power. We just have to exercise our faith and call out to God to help us. You see, God is so faithful. God is faithful and he will continue to rescue, but only if you believe. And this statement is still relevant today. If you need proof, just think about the Bible. Just look in the Bible, and you will find the proof that you need. You see, God spoke to Sarah when she was 90 years old, and God told her that she was going to give birth to a baby boy. And she laughs as if God told her a funny joke. But God responds, is anything too hard for me? Now, some of y'all have the same situ have situations that you think cannot be fixed. But my question for you is, is anything too hard for God. I, I know you have more bills than you do money, but is there anything too hard for God? I, I want to believe, I want to believe that you can help me, but my unbelief is, is kicking in. Is there anything too hard for God? My kids have walked away from their faith. Is there anything too hard <laughs> For God, I'm trying to talk to somebody. My life is chaotic and I need some relief. Is there anything too hard for God? Just some questions. The doctor said it's cancer. Is there anything too hard for God? It's, it's Lyme disease. Is there anything too hard for God? It's diabetes. It's whatever. Dot, dot, dot. It doesn't matter. But is there anything too hard for God? Even when it comes to that old rugged cross. Many believe that Jesus didn't die on that cross, but I believe, I, my, my mustard seed of faith believes that he died on that cross for your sins and for mine. And he stayed dead all day Friday and, and all Friday night and all day Saturday and all Saturday night and early Sunday morning. I believe, we all should believe that he got up that third day with all power in his hands. And that power would strengthen our faith and understanding that God cares for me. God cares for each and every one of you. Is there anything too hard for God? We all know that answer is no, but 
in that moment that we have strong enough faith to say, no, there's nothing too hard for God. Well, if there's nothing too hard for God, then we understand that whatever that something is that's eclipsing God, put it behind, put it at the feet of God, put it at the feet of the cross and leave it there. Don't take it back with you. Whatever it is that's causing you to doubt, take it back to God because he cares for you. Let us pray.